Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Amen. Genesis chapter 6. Hallelujah. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. Hear the word of the Lord. You can keep playing. It says, now it came about when man began to multiply on the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. Everybody say beautiful. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. And the Nephilim were on the earth in those days also after when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of his thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the earth, from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 2. It says, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Amen. I want to preach for a little while. You may be seated using as a subject, I'm not coming down. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not coming down. Amen. I've been in church all of my life, and I've been a preacher and a pastor for the entirety of my adult life. And one thing that I've discovered is that the church has done an amazing job with a lot of things. We know how to teach you how to pray and how to fast. We know how to teach you how to praise and worship. We even know how to teach you how to serve and give financially. But one thing I've discovered in over three decades in church is that while we've done an amazing job with teaching on prayer and fasting and teaching on praise and worship and teaching you how to serve and give of your time, your talent, and your treasure, teaching you praise and worship, we haven't done a good job of teaching people how to properly navigate and deal with relationships. And so because of this, we have churches full of people who can preach, sing, shout, pray, and prophesy, but they are unable to effectively deal with people. Because unbalanced teaching has shown us how to do church, but unfortunately it's failed at showing us how to do life. This is critical because whenever God decides to transition you from one level to the next, he does it through relationship. As a matter of fact, for those of us who are saved, God snatched us out of the darkness of sin into the light of salvation, not through a shout, not through a seed, but through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And just like when salvation needed to happen, God sent his son into the world to bring us into a life-changing relationship. Whenever God gets ready to take you to another level in life, he does it by sending you a next-level connection. That's why you can't just go to any church or sit under any kind of leader because when God gets ready to propel you into the place of destiny, he does it by connecting you to a person that is designed to bring out God's best in you. And I know that it's been a while since I put it in the atmosphere. We've had a lot of different things going on, but I want to remind you that if you are connected to this house, 
If you are part of this ministry, then it's still graduation season, okay? I guess y'all went to sleep and forgot. No, it's still graduation season. I know that for some of us, it seems like we already want to hit the reset button on 2020, but don't let the devil trick you. God is still taking us to another level, and if we want to get there, then it's critical that we learn how to manage relationships because just like when God gets ready to push you into destiny, he sends a person into your life. When Satan gets ready to try to derail your destiny, he sends a person into your life, and we've got to learn how to discern whether the connections that are presenting themselves to us are invitations to divine destiny or whether they are demonic distractions okay I know this is difficult if I can be honest because God doesn't make the choice of relationships for us what God does is he allows us to pre be presented with options and then challenges us to choose the right connection based on the criteria of his word and the leading of his spirit the problem with that is because of our fallen nature, everybody say fallen nature. Because of our fallen nature, we oftentimes choose relationships based on the appetites of our flesh and not the leading of God's spirit. And so the trick of the enemy is uh, this is the trick of the enemy because Satan knows he can poison your purpose and keep you from manifesting destiny by getting you to choose the wrong connection. And whether we admit it or not, many of us have suffered in relationships, in business partnerships, in friendships, because we chose a connection based on what we saw with our eyes and felt in our flesh without allowing God's spirit to inform our decisions. As a matter of fact, that's why many of us are scarred right now. Because we thought we could find fulfillment as spiritual people in relationships that were built on a foundation of fleshly attraction. And the reality is, if you know Hello, can you hear me? Praise God. If you know God, your purpose is too important. Somebody say amen. amen. To get stuck in the wrong relationship. It doesn't matter how much you like them. It doesn't matter how good they treat you. It doesn't matter how much your family likes them, how attractive they are to you. God is not going to bless you while you're connected to the wrong people because your destiny is too important for it to be corrupted by a carnal connection. So God will either fix it or free you from it. Yeah, yeah. God wants his people, hear me good, to enjoy healthy, happy, and God-honoring relationships. And if we're going to be successful in our pursuit of relationships, then we got to understand that it is impossible for us as spiritual beings to have healthy relationships when we choose relationships based solely on our feelings, our passions, and what our flesh wants. The devil's desire then is for us to compromise our position, who we are in God, by ignoring what God wants for us in relationships and to become motivated by the desires of our flesh. While God wants to use relationships to take us higher, the devil wants to bring us down by connecting us to people who are attractive to us on the outside, but force us to compromise who God has called us to be. And any relationship that calls us to compromise who we are in God, no matter how attractive it may seem, is beneath us. God, help me. Let me say it again. Any relationship that calls you to compromise who you are in God, what you believe about God, who God says you are, is beneath you. God, help me. And no matter how badly we desire companionship, no matter how tempting the relationship may appear to be, we have to decide for the sake of our future that we're not coming down God help me I know that I may want love but I'm not coming down I, I may desire fruitful business partnerships and connections but I'm not coming down I may want fulfilling uh, friendships but I'm not coming down I may even want a better relationship with some of my crazy family members but I'm not willing to compromise who I am in God so that I can get it I'm not coming down you have to declare that I refuse to lose myself while trying to connect with somebody else and yes it would be good to be loved but I've made up in my mind that I'm not going to settle for something sent by Satan to derail my destiny I am not coming down yeah, the difficulty is this. Because we are spiritual beings who are living in bodies hindered by the flesh, we often choose relationships based on what our flesh wants instead of what our spirit needs. Let me help you understand this thing called the flesh because the flesh, beloved, is not your body. 
Yeah, it is not your physical body. It's not your bodily parts. When Jesus says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, it's a metaphor. He's not telling you to mutilate yourself. Your flesh is the part of your nature that is dead set on gratifying itself rather than glorifying God. The flesh is the part of your nature that when your spirit says, please God, your flesh says, please yourself. And so when you pick relationships based on your flesh you will always pick poorly and poor choices always produce pain god help me i know we don't want to hear this but but in order for us to recover from some of the relational pain of our past we got to be willing to accept that a great deal of our pain and in relationships was and is the product of our own poor choices because we allowed our flesh to choose instead of letting our spirit dictate who we connected to god help me I, I don't have enough time to stay there but if I had a little bit more time I would tell you that some of us are hurting in the past and some of us are hurting now because we allowed our flesh to choose relationships for us we were caught up on what we wanted what, what we felt what we thought we needed what we were attracted to instead of consulting with the spirit of God about what it is that we needed God help me and so our poor choices beloved hear me now in relationships often stem from two kinds of idolatry two kinds of idol worship two kinds of false God loving we are either trying to find God in people or we are trying to play God with people yeah 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 well it's two kinds of idolatry either we're trying to find God in people or we're trying to play God with people now when we attempt to find God in people we make idols out of them by trying to use them to fill a void in our lives that only God can fill that's why we're so broken when they make mistakes and when they disappoint us and when they cheat and when you find text messages in their phone because they God has a way of showing you that nobody can be God but God God help me I, I wish I had some help and I, I don't care if it's your parents if it's your children if it's your spouse if it's your significant other at some point that will cause you pain because God wants you to know that nobody can be God in your life but me but not only do we invite pain into our lives by trying to find God in people, we also invite pain into our lives by trying to play God with people. And we do this, hear me, by believing we have the power to change a person or bring out their potential. God help me. So we adopt hard cases or we connect with people who we believe need our help and get into relationships with people thinking we can fix them or we fall in love with, who, with not who a person person is but with who we imagine they could be if they just got it together God help me oh God I'm stepping on some toes already I'm still in my introduction beloved uh, we get into relationships with potential we fall in love with what could happen instead of what is God help me and you got to understand that God has never assigned you to a person to fix them God help me oh let me say that again for those uh, uh, captain uh, and sister Savums in the audience that feel like you're here to help and fix people God will never assign you to a relationship to fix somebody as a matter of fact a part of true love is making the decision that if a person never changes and if a person never becomes more than what they are as long as they truly love and serve God and love you they are enough God help me and if they're not enough for you the way they are then they're not supposed to be with you in the first place God help me and many of us have been hurt and burned because we wasted precious time and emotional energy adopting projects and pretending they were relationships because we knew that they weren't right for us but we were trying to transform them into something that we don't even have the ability to help them become because we are not God and the only one who can fix a person is the one who created that person and we have to reawaken to the reality that fixing people is not our job yeah most of our relational struggles our trauma our pain stems from us trying to find God in people or play God with people and we make poor choices and poor choices always produce pain and there are three types of pain if you're taking notes that God uses when he is correcting our poor choices listen to me first it is the pain of education everybody say education but not only is there the pain of education there is the pain of separation everybody say separation but not only is there the pain of education and the pain of separation, but then you have the pain of elimination. Everybody say elimination. 
Let me go to work for a moment. The pain of education is when God uses the negative experiences of a relationship to teach you the penalty of poor decision making. It's when God allows you to suffer relationally so that you never so that you learn never to make that kind of choice again. The beauty of the pain of education is that it is the pain that turns losses into lessons. God help me. It is the kind of pain that God uses to break you without making you bitter. It's the kind of pain that you praise God for. Hear me. Because it hurt. But you learned something that you wouldn't have learned had it not been for the pain. And I don't know who I'm preaching to in the building. But is there anybody here that can say I learned some stuff in relationships that I wouldn't have learned had God not allowed me to experience pain. Now I know that I'm more valuable than that. No, now I know what I'm not going to tolerate. Now I know how I'm not going to allow anybody to talk to me and to treat me. And I know that I don't need to go based on my appetites. It is the pain of education. But not only is there the pain of education, I got to move. There is the pain of separation. And the pain of separation is when God allows you to feel the pain of him forcibly removing you from a situation that is out of his will for your life the pain of separation happens when for no reason at all friends begin to disappear and people begin to walk away from you when it seems like you need them the most and nobody will answer your phone calls and nobody will text you back it is because God has decided that your destiny is too important for it to be contaminated by the wrong connection so he begins to strip people from you until it's just you and him and I know there are some people in the building uh, who've been here you don't know why it's falling apart you don't know what you did to them people just changed up on you they stopped talking to you they stopped calling to check on you and you didn't do anything to them you didn't talk about them you were a good friend to them but all of a sudden now you feel the pain of God separating you from them and you feel like you're by yourself it's because when you get by yourself and you don't have anyone but God it is the pain of separation that teaches you that God is all you need is there anybody here who learned when God separated you from some folk that he was the only relationship that you really needed but not only, beloved, is there the pain of education and is there the pain of separation? But then thirdly, there is the pain of elimination. Somebody say elimination. Yeah, yeah, the pain of elimination is when God doesn't do you the favor of letting people quietly walk away and disappear. But is the, this is the pain that you experience when you can see the writing on the wall. When you know the relationship is dying, but there's nothing you can do to stop it and nothing you can do to save it. It is the pain of making plans and giving the best of your love to a person only to realize that you weren't good enough for them and they weren't good enough for you it, it is the pain of going up and down on an emotional roller coaster making up and breaking up and making up and breaking up and arguing and making up until you just get to the place where you're not mad you're not sad you're just done because you realize that the relationship was beneath you and now you know never to go back there again the pain of elimination beloved is the pain that God uses to make you shut the door on your past and decide I'm never going back to that place that mindset or that person ever again elimination is when God tears the relationship up and he burns the bridge so that you can't text them no more you don't want to call them no more matter of fact if you look back at them and you text them as soon as you start texting them you'll remember why you quit texting them in the first place that is the pain of elimination yeah, poor choices. Uh, be seated, please. Poor choices uh, always produce pain. Yeah, and God wants to protect us from the pain of poor choices in our relationships by making sure that we as his sons and daughters do not fall into the trap of choosing relationships based on the wrong criteria. God wants us to decide that no matter how lonely we are, no matter how long we've been looking for the right friends, the right lovers, the right partners, we will not condescend, we will not compromise, we're not coming down. And that's why I'm captivated by this particular passage of scripture because in Genesis uh, we see the real world consequences that occur when the people of God leave their divine assignment to enter into relationships motivated by passions and not purpose. 
In Genesis chapter 6, we are allowed to see that after Cain killed his brother Abel, God blessed humanity and they've begun to multiply and fill the earth just as God had commanded them. And the Bible says that as they begin to multiply and fill the earth, mankind begins to give birth to beautiful women that the Bible calls the daughters of men. These were human women, attractive in their appearance, and the Bible says something interesting. It tells us that the sons of God looked down and saw that the daughters of men were beautiful so they came down and took the daughters of men as wives for themselves now you got to understand the criticality of this because the sons of God were not supposed to have relationships with human beings yeah the, the sons of God were called by God to assist him these were not just typical angels these were uh, heavenly beings that were assisting God in the administration of the cosmos these were people who had responsibilities but because they looked down and saw something that was attractive even though it was beneath them they came down anyway God help me and while there's much debate theologically of who these sons of God were, were they fallen angels or disembodied spirits who possessed human bodies? Were they members of the heavenly host who abandoned their duties in heaven? The Bible does not make it specifically clear, nor do I believe that to be the point. The point is that in the text, the sons of God were spiritual beings who abandoned their spiritual status and responsibility to come and have relationship with people who weren't on their level. God help me. Uh, uh, let me say it again. Th these were heavenly beings, spiritual beings who left heaven to come down to earth and fraternize, engage in relationships with people who were beneath them. God help me. I, I, and because of Jesus, you got to know now that you and I, beloved, are the sons of God. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why this story should resonate with us is because we're still being tempted to come down from spiritual places and ignore our spiritual assignment and our status as the sons and daughters of God so that we can connect with carnality. But even though the temptation is real and at sometimes the temptation is strong, God is calling us as his sons and daughters not to come down. Uh, but the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean to come down? Uh, first of all, uh, it means that we've become captivated by external qualities before we've done internal investigations. God help me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've become captivated, enthralled, captured by external qualities before we've taken the time to do internal investigations. Most of the time when we go into relationships, we go into relationships looking for external qualities. Yeah. What do they look like? What do they drive? What do they work? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what's their credit score? What, uh, you know, what, what family do they come from? Right. Uh, are they tall enough? Are they the right complexion? What's their skin like? You know, do they go to the gym? Do they work out? Yeah, we, we, we go into relationships looking to find those external qualities. Then we begin to enjoy those qualities. And then we develop attachment to those qualities before we've taken the time to look on the inside. And by the time we look on the inside and we realize that they don't have what we need on the inside, we're stuck. Because we've already become attached to what they have on the outside. Oh God, the children are in kids' church, right? Can I, can I, can I be honest? You develop attachments to the physical before you investigate what's on the inside. So now you're caught up with someone who doesn't have what it takes on the inside to handle you spiritually because they know how to handle you physically. God, help me. Oh, oh God, they, they, they know how to give you what you need physically, but they can't give you what you need spiritually. And sometimes you will mistake a physical encounter for a spiritual experience and develop a soul type. God, help me. Because you're caught up. Oh, Lord. Uh, on the external qualities. God, as a matter of fact, some of us are struggling right now and ashamed to admit it because we know that we knew better. But we created a physical and emotional attachment to people who we knew were unqualified to handle us spiritually. So now our flesh is satisfied, but our spirit is being frustrated. God, help me. Oh, 
Oh, God, God. And, and, and you know, you don't want to admit it. You don't want to say, man, you don't want to wave your hand because satisfied flesh is always ashamed. God, help me. Oh, God, God. God, once your flesh is satisfied, God, help me. If you're a believer, it's always a shame. Come on here. Uh, I'll be gentle because even though uh, the kids are in children's church, I, I really don't want to step on your toes. Uh, after you cuss somebody out and your flesh is satisfied, then you want to repent. Yeah. After you have that drink and your flesh is satisfied, then you want to repent. After you call them over in the middle of the night and y'all get under the covers and that thing, then you want to repent. Because satisfied flesh is always repentant. But God said you can't wait until your flesh is satisfied. Because if you wait until your flesh is satisfied, then you'll have a soul tie that you can't break away from. And God wants you to know that just because you're down there now, you don't have to stay there. There is no relationship, no stronghold, no soul tie that God can't set you free from. Even if you've come down, God has the power to raise you up. Do me a favor now touch your neighbor and say you ain't got to stay down if you don't want to God can break you out of that thing I know it's good I know it feels good to your flesh I know it feels your appetite I know that they're tall dark and handsome I know she light-skinned and curvy or dark-skinned and curvy but God told me to tell you it doesn't matter how good it feels to your flesh if it's not ordained by the spirit it's got to break apart look at somebody and say God can set you free Uh, yeah, yeah, we've become captivated by external qualities. Uh, Tiffany, before we do internal investigations, uh, but secondly, coming down means that we've allowed our desperation to, for companionship to overwhelm our criteria for relationship. God, help me. Let me say that again because I need you to catch it. Coming down means that We've allowed our desperation for companionship to overwhelm our criteria for a relationship, to overwhelm our standard. God, help me. Oh, God, let me be honest. Can I be honest with you? I'll tell on myself so that I don't have to get in your business. Uh, nobody really likes waiting on God. Yeah, especially when we're waiting on God to send us the right kind of relationship. And what normally happens is that when we first start waiting, our standards are real high. They line up with the word of God. But as time passes and no one meets our standards, then we begin to relax our standards more and more until we get to the place where it's like our standard no longer even exists. Because at first we were determined, but now we're desperate. And you've got to be careful when waiting turns your determination into desperation. Because if you get desperate, you'll always settle. But the problem is, once you come out of the season of desperation, you'll look at the person that you picked when you were desperate and want to ask God for a do-over because now that you're no longer in that place, your desire has changed. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. And is there anybody here who has gotten into a relationship when you were desperate and hurting and starving emotionally and you felt like you were running out of time, but then when God snapped you back into reality, you rolled over in the bed, looked through your text messages or across the office you share with them and and said Lord what in the world have I done it's because God wants you to learn that just like mama told you not to go to the grocery store when you're hungry because you'll waste your money you will waste your life getting into relationships when you are desperate and you better figure out quickly that it's better to wait on God who am I preaching to in the building is there anybody here that said I made some bad decisions when I was desperate there were some people that I'm ashamed to even say that I knew but now I got kids by them because I made a decision when I was desperate oh don't let your desperation God help me uh, cause you to make a choice that you're going to regret when God delivers you from desperation. As a matter of fact, I want to prophetically encourage somebody who feels like they're on the verge of desperation. You ain't going to be there forever. God is not going to let you stay in the place of desperation. So stop going to the spiritual and relational grocery store when you're hungry because sooner or later, God is going to fill you and you ain't going to want what you want anymore. Oh, God, I feel like preaching. I got to teach this thing. I got to teach it, but I feel like preaching. I, I, yeah. He says, you can't come down. God, help me. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. And because their beauty, because of their beauty, 
the sons of God abandoned their divine assignment and their spiritual status to come down and be with people who weren't on their level. Oh God, and the challenge that I believe that God is issuing to us through the text is for us to declare, even in the face of what we know we desire, that it may look good to me. It may tempt me. I may even think about it when I'm at home by myself in the middle of the night. But my purpose is too important for me to abandon it to satisfy my passions. I'm not coming down. And so now the question is, how do I keep myself from coming down? The answer is given to us in the text. Number one, I have to remember that exterior beauty can never make up for internal deficiencies. Yeah, I have to remember uh, that what looks good on the outside can never accommodate what they're lacking on the inside. God, help me. Uh, I know you think I'm making it up, but it's in the text. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, that the sons or that the daughters of men were beautiful. Is that what your Bible says? Yeah, the Bible says they were beautiful. But as daughters of men, this also means, if we use deductive reasoning, that they were a part of mankind. And in the same chapter, just three verses later, the Bible gives another commentary about mankind that says their wickedness was great and every intent of his heart was evil. So the Bible tells us that even though the daughters of men were beautiful on the outside, they were wicked on the inside. God help me. And if we're going to stay on our level and not come down, then we've got to remember that what's on the outside is never enough. We need to know what's on the inside of a person. God help me. And this is the season where you got to decide that you're too anointed to settle for someone with a pretty face, a pretty body, a pretty checking account, a pretty job, but a wicked heart. God help me. Uh, as a matter of fact, we can come up externally together. Uh, we can get a better house together. We can fix our credit together. I can even help you dress and find you a good barber or a good hairdresser, a good nail technician, a makeup artist. We can do that. We can come up on the outside together but I can't do nothing with you if you're ugly on the inside God help me and is there anybody here that can say I'm done settling for external criteria I'm done looking at someone on the outside and saying that's all I need to know as a matter of fact my purpose is too valuable for me to give myself away to people who look good on the outside but I haven't found out whether or not they're wicked on the inside I got to know what you got on the inside I've got to know who you worship I've got to know who you're connected to I got to know how do you pray when time gets hard? How do you fast when you need a breakthrough? How can you cover me when I'm falling and when I'm hurting? Can you come to church with me? It's okay for you to take me to dinner, but I know how to feed myself. I need somebody that can come to church with me. Somebody who can worship with me. Somebody who can see me in worship, crying out to God, grab me by the hand and say, oh no, we're going to get this breakthrough together. God says you can't allow external beauty to corrupt what you need on the inside. I feel like preaching now. Look at somebody and say the outside is not enough. Oh. Oh. oh, God. You can't be pretty and wicked. God, help me. Oh, oh God, I got to move. I, I don't have much time left, but, but I want to talk to somebody now uh, who's stuck in something because they were pretty. Oh, God, and, and you fell in love with their pretty. God, help me. Uh, you got attached to their pretty, but now you stuck with somebody who's wicked. Oh, God, and sooner or later, that internal ugliness will manifest as external ugliness. They'll be so ugly on the inside that you don't care how good they look. You don't care how nice their barber is. You don't care how good their makeup is because they're ugly on the inside. And if you're going to go to the next level, you got to remember that the outside, is not enough. Woo! I'm sorry. I know you, you hear a lot of preachers now. They think they're relationship experts and uh, they're telling you check their credit score and find out this about them and find out that about them. Baby, God can change your financial picture overnight. As a matter of fact, most of the preachers that are telling you to check a person's credit didn't have good credit themselves until God blessed them and they paid somebody to fix it. God can change your credit overnight, but he can't fix ugly character. 
A credit score can be manipulated. But the wickedness in your heart has to be adjusted by the Spirit of God. And that doesn't mean just because you don't meet my internal criteria, that doesn't mean you're not good. That just means you're not good for me. You're going to be real good for somebody one day. And I'm praying that you meet that person. But delete my number because I don't have time to deal with you. Uh, because you look good on the outside. And that goodness on the outside might make me do something. I'm going to regret later. So regret later. So don't talk to me until God works on you. Uh, sit down, Sherrod. You're making me nervous. I have to remember that exterior beauty can never make up for internal deficiencies. Uh, I have to, but then if I'm not going to come down, I have to refuse to entrust the God in me to people who are dominated by their flesh. Yeah, I have to refuse to entrust the God in me to people who are dominated by their flesh. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 says something interesting God makes a declaration He says my spirit Literally my ruach in the Hebrew My breath Will not strive with man forever Why? The answer is interesting He says because he is also flesh God essentially makes the decision To limit the lifespan of man Hear me Because of their flesh Because if you are carnal you will mishandle something as precious as eternal life. God help me. Oh God. And as we seek to find people who, who we can share our lives with. We have to remember that according to 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Our bodies are the temples where the spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And before we enter into relationship with people. We have to examine their lives to see if they're qualified to handle the God in us. And, only, and the only person qualified to handle a person who is full of the Spirit is another person who is full of the Spirit. God help me. Let me run that back because y'all didn't get it. The only person who is qualified to handle someone who is full of the Spirit is another person who is full of the Spirit. That means before I connect, I've got to watch your life. And watch how you make decisions because I've got to make sure that you're controlled by the right spirit. And in this season, you've got too much to lose. Oh, God, help me to give your life to someone who to somebody who's full of flesh. God, help me. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm just at a place now where I know I've got too much to lose to be connected to carnal people. I can't even let carnal people serve in ministry. I, I can't let carnal people touch a microphone because I got too much to lose. And if you can't handle the spirit of God, then I'm sorry. I'm not trying to judge you. I don't want to hurt your self-esteem, but you're not qualified. God help me. And you've got to be okay with telling people who want you, even when you want to be wanted, that they're not qualified to have you. God help me. Oh God. I, is there anybody here who can be honest and say there are seasons of your life when you want to be wanted? God help me. Uh, there are seasons of your life when you want companionship, when you desire to have somebody to walk alongside you. You try to call somebody and you ain't got nobody that you can call you try to text somebody and you ain't got nobody that you can text and the person that you live with y'all ain't connecting right so you can't even talk to them like you need to talk to them but God said you can't allow yourself in those moments to settle for somebody who is not full of the spirit of God oh God I got a devil by the tail I can feel it now because there's somebody in the building who feels like that person you've been texting God help me while you're married to somebody is full of the spirit of God and that they understand you better and that they can meet your needs but let me tell you something if they were worth texting then they wouldn't let you text them in the first place if they were worth reaching out to they wouldn't let you reach out to them while you were connected to somebody else and you've got to understand the attack of the enemy on your life is to derail your purpose by trying to get you to connect it to somebody that's going to mishandle you God I got to move oh God so then so then so then I got to remember that external beauty can never make up for internal deficiencies. I've, I've got to refuse to entrust the God in me to people who are dominated by their flesh. But then thirdly, I have to realize that when I make the wrong connection, I not only endanger myself, but I endanger everything that God has entrusted me with. 
Oh God, if you read your Bibles in verses 6 and 7, something interesting occurs. The sons of God and mankind have brought so much evil on the earth that God now decides, beloved, that he's going to wipe them out. And I can understand God uh, uh, wiping out uh, uh, disobedient spiritual beings. I can even understand God choosing to wipe out every human being because all of them were wicked in their hearts. But verse 7 says something that blows me away. Because not only does God wipe out the sons of God, their human lovers, and their offspring, but God says he's going to erase all the birds and the animals too. Uh, this bothers me. Uh, because God says he was going to do it not because they had done anything wrong, but he's getting ready to wipe out the birds and the animals because he is sorry that he ever made man. God help me. Oh God. And, and this bothered me. This, this bothered me. Because the only wicked action. Had been taken by the sons of God. And the children of men. Yeah. And I had to ask God. I said God. Why would you destroy. The animals you created. When the animals that you created. Didn't do anything wrong. And as I was praying. God gave me the revelation. That in Genesis chapter 2. Or chapter 1, he gave man dominion over all the beasts of the earth. And when you have dominion, your choices don't just affect you. They affect everything that God has entrusted to you. God help me. That's why you got to pick right in this season. Because you have people who are depending on your choice. God help me. Oh God, I just got to ask somebody the question. How much more careful would you be choosing relationship if I told you that your next choice wouldn't just affect you, but it could derail the, de the destiny of generations coming after you? How, how much more carefully would you pick if I told you that your next one night stand would release a spirit of lust that would affect your grandchildren? How much more careful would you be if you recognize that the sin and the poor choices you make in your connections won't just affect you but they'll affect everybody coming after you that's why you can't afford to be impatient you can't be frivolous and you cannot be carnal because someone's counting on you to make the right choice yeah. Yeah. Wow. Joshua tells the children of Israel he says I set before you this day death and life Blessings and curses. And he says something interesting, Sean. He tells them, choose life so that you and your children might live. God help me. See, the problem with Christians is we've allowed this individualistic, it's all about me and my blessing and my miracle and my new season. We've allowed this mentality to infect us to the degree that we believe that it's all about us. But the beauty of Christianity is not about you. It's about generations that's coming after you. God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. God puts you in relationship so that the relationship can bless you and and I know I know we try our best to to appeal to all cultures but I'm talking to some black folk now we we can look at the black family and see uh, how our lives have been scarred by relational choices that our parents made God help me uh, because you had different men coming in and out of your mama's house and you didn't know if there was your uncle or your stepdaddy or or your play cousin and and then sometimes your family God help me uh, would leave you with the wrong people that didn't have any business in your space and so they touched you in a way that you weren't supposed to be touched at the age you were touched that way and now you got issues God said that your generations coming after you deserve better than what you receive you got to make the right choice uh, oh God I'm done uh, so so I have I have to remember that exterior beauty uh, uh, Davon, get ready, because if I turn this to corner, I'm going to turn it quick. I got to remember that this exterior beauty can never make up for internal deficiencies. I, I have to refuse to entrust the God in me to people who are dominated by their flesh. I have to realize that when I make the wrong connection, I not only endanger myself, but everything that God has entrusted me with. But then fourthly and finally, I have to rejoice because if I get too far gone, I serve a God who's not afraid to wash it all away. God help me. Oh God, I, I have to rejoice. I know it doesn't sound like something to rejoice about, but I've got to rejoice 
Because if I get too far gone in a carnal relationship, if I come down and connect too tightly with the wrong person, I serve a God who's not afraid to wash it away. The Bible goes on to tell us that God gets fed up with mankind and their wickedness. So God decides to send a flood to cleanse the earth of the wickedness of mankind. And I know that if we fast forward to the end of the story, God promises that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. Uh, but just because he promises that he won't destroy the earth with a flood, that doesn't mean that he won't purge your life of the corrupt connections. And we need to learn how to rejoice that when we are too far gone in our relationships, when we're too deeply connected with the wrong thing, when we develop soul ties and attachments to people who are unqualified and connections who don't please God, that don't please God, God will flood our lives and wash away any relationships that are outside of his will. As a matter of fact, some of us in the building can look back over our lives to relationships that we knew we shouldn't have been in and we have no idea how we got out because we weren't trying to get out and they weren't trying to let us go. But now we're free. It's because God washed it away. God, help me. Oh, is there anybody here who can testify that God washed away some relationships? As a matter of fact, you don't want to say amen. You don't want to shout. You don't want to testify because God is washing some stuff right now. God, help me. Uh, God is washing your life right now. The person you married to, God is washing them. The, the person you're dating, God is washing them. The, your family members that get on your nerves, God is washing them. And God says, I'm not afraid to wash it away when you get too far gone. Uh, so then, why will God wash it away? Uh, number one, God will wash it away to rid my world of the wickedness that I was attracted to. God, help me. I got to move quickly. Uh, but God washes the world. He floods the world. He sends the great deluge, as we call it in theology, to wash away the wickedness of mankind. Because God says, you all are spiritual beings, so you have an immortal soul. So I can't get rid of you. But what I can do is I can get rid of what you were attracted to. God, help me. And sometimes when we're too weak to resist it, God has a sin to flood so that he can remove it. God help me. Let me say that again uh, because you, if, you, if you had got that you would have shouted. Sometimes we're too weak to resist it so God has to send a flood to remove it. God help me. And is there anybody here who's glad that God washed some stuff out of your life? Wash some people out of your life. Wash some jobs out of your life. Wash some people. Wash some opportunities out of your life and some potential possibilities out of your life so that you couldn't be attracted to it anymore. God left you but he washed away the wickedness that you wanted. But then secondly, God sends a flood to wash it away, mm, to erase the fruit produced by my poor choices. Oh, God, I, I got to dive in the text for a moment. Uh, scholars suggest that along with the wickedness of man, some scholars suggest that God also sent the flood, Sharon, to wipe out the Nephilim. Verse 4 tells us about the Nephilim. They are the superhuman offspring produced by the union of the sons of God and the daughters of men. The Bible says that these are men of renown, heroes of old. Historically and theologically, we understand now that these are the people whereby your myths of other cultures revolve around. These are, are the, the, the Nephilim are the reason why you have stories about people like Perseus and Hercules and Set and Anubis and all these false gods in other cultures because uh, spiritual beings impregnated women and gave birth to supernatural human beings. And those supernatural human beings diverted worship from God to themselves. So now other cultures believe that there were other gods apart from God. And so what God had to do is God had to send a flood to wipe away the fruit of the relationship. Because their existence on earth caused men to worship them instead of God himself. And if that is true, then that means that not only did God destroy the relationship, but God also destroyed the evidence that the relationship ever existed. God help me. And the prophetic word for somebody is this. In this season, God isn't just going to wash away the wrong connections. But God is going to destroy the evidence that you were ever crazy enough to pick that wrong in the first place. God help me. Oh God, I wish you had got it. If you had got it, you would have shouted. You would have turned that row over. Because you know there was some evidence hanging out there. There, there were some things out there. There were some text messages. There were some screens. 
screenshots that prove that you were caught up in something that you shouldn't have been caught up in. But God said, not only am I setting you free, but I'm destroying the evidence so nobody will ever know you were that crazy ever again. God, help me. Look at somebody, help me preach and tell them you're coming out of this foolishness uh, and you're coming out with a clean slate. God is getting ready to erase all of the evidence. He's washing away not just the relationship, but the proof, God, help me, that X is going to forget about you. That one night stand is going to forget your name. Those people that you dance with in the club, you ain't never going to see them no more. You're going to have to, oh God, you're going to quit having to change your number and black folk on Facebook because God is going to make it so you can't go back anyway. He's destroying the evidence and washing it all away. Okay. I got to quit. Uh, yeah, I got to. Uh, I have to. Uh, uh, so, so God decides... God decides to send a flood. Yeah. Uh, he decides to send a flood to wash away the wickedness that was on earth. And this text then, beloved, sends us a message that when you compromise your position in God to pursue relationships that are outside of the will of God, you will produce fruit that dishonors God and the relationship and its fruit will be washed away by God. God will destroy the relationship and any proof the relationship existed because God wants you to know that he has invested too much in you for you to come down. But before I close, there's one thing in the text that shouts me. I want to show it to you, then I'll leave you alone. Uh, God makes up his mind in verses 6 and 7 that he's done with man. He's fed up with man. He's fed up with their wickedness. So he's going to wipe out every living thing. Every man, woman, every boy and every girl on the earth. Every half angel, half human Nephilim on the earth. Every animal on the land and every bird in the sky. God is going to wipe out most of what he created. If it can't survive underwater, it's going to be destroyed. Uh, but in verse 8, the Bible says something that blesses me. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God, help me. Oh, God, I, I wish I had some, some Bible readers in the house because if you were a Bible reader, that would have shouted you. Uh, God is getting ready. God, help me. Let, me. let me put my preach back down on the inside. God is getting ready to destroy everything. God, help me. I feel it now. He, he's getting ready to destroy everything on the earth. He's mad because he said every man, God, help me is continually wicked on the inside, God help me. But the Bible says, God help me, that God was kind enough to let somebody find favor, God help me. God wiped out the humans, God help me. But through Noah, God spared humanity, God help me. And Noah is proof to us that even if you make the wrong choice and God has to wipe out your relationship. God won't wipe you out with the relationship. But just like Noah, God will leave you with enough. God help me to start all over again. God help me. And I know we have to deal with the pain of relationships. We got to deal, beloved, with the pain of education, the pain of separation, and the pain of elimination. And we might feel while we're dealing with that pain that our lives are over. But don't be discouraged because you serve a God that's going to leave you with enough. God help me. I wish you'd get it to start all over again. As a matter of fact, somebody in here has been listening to this message and you know that you picked wrong and, and you know that it's over and you know that God is getting ready to wash it away. God is getting ready to destroy it and you're wondering how you're going to recover and how you're going to deal with the shame and how you're going to deal with the embarrassment but God wants me to tell you in this first session of relationship rehab he may destroy the relationship but he's building you an ark of safety. God help me and you will survive and when you come out after the storm you're going to see like Noah that you have everything you need to start all over again. God help me.